Blog Talk Radio. Hello, happy start of the football season. Welcome to Outsports Podcast. I'm Jim with Sid, and uh, summer still has two weeks to go, but in the U.S., once Labor Day comes, it's sort of the official end of summer, and it also means the start of the, the football season. And Sid got his referee gear on and doing the podcast in stripes, Sid? Well, I... <laughs> Still basking in the glow of Fire Island last weekend. It was so funny being in in New York. I mean, Labor Day was Monday, and you know, I, you know there was a, st- a storm was coming, and and so some people fled. And and Sunday, you know, was just a you know a crazy fun day out on Fire Island. And then and Monday there were still people out there. And it Tuesday it was as though summer shut the switch off. And autumn turned the switch on, the breeze picked up, the temperature dropped, everyone evacuated. It was like, what just happened? It was, I hadn't experienced a, a, such, such a just stark contrast between summer and, and autumn since I've been on the East Coast. It was so funny. Yeah, I always found that odd that even though there's still several weeks left the summer, that people's mindset is, okay, summer's over, and so the following weekend you can probably – walk on Fire Island and probably have the smallest crowd you'd see until the next summer. I mean, the same thing with a lot of other resorts. It's kind of odd to me because school starts a lot of times now in August. I know school's not a big factor on Fire Island, but, you know, it's just it's an odd thing that Labor Day psychologically has this, okay, summer's over feel. Yeah, well, and again, it was it definitely was that. But, you know, for for us, for us, fall starts today with the, with the start of the NFL season, and it's it's going to be so interesting tonight to watch the the Panthers and and the Broncos after what happened in the Super Bowl, and and to and to see what Cam Newton and the Panthers can do against that defense and see what that Manningless offense can do against the Panthers. It's well, it's it's uh, autumn is football season. Yeah, I run a a one of those su- uh, suicide pools where you have to pick the loser in. Historically, if you pick the Monday, or the Thursday night visiting team, I think 11 the last 12 years you would have stayed alive in the pool. This year is the first time I'm not touching it because I have no idea what's going to happen with the Broncos went from you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback, Peyton Manning, to a guy who has taken one snap in the NFL, and that was a kneel down. I mean, this is pretty historic. <laughs> the, the first time in history a defending champion is going to start the season with a guy who has never thrown a pass in the league. And it's like, and he's not a rookie. So it's a really sort of bizarre, I have no idea what to expect of this Trevor Simeon. I've watched him in preseason a little bit, and he looked kind of like, eh, you know, sort of like, some good passes, some not so good passes, but um, it's going to be fascinating. And so, I mean, it's one of those games that is a better I just wouldn't touch <laughs> because you have yeah. no idea what's going to happen. Well, I have Cam Newton and Jonathan Stewart on my fantasy football team, and I'm trying to decide if do I really want to go that route or do I want to bench Jonathan Stewart? Do mm. I really want to have half half of the Panthers' offense? Uh, I I. I'm not sure. I might make a last-minute switch here. That's tough. I have Emmanuel Sanders in one league and Demarius Thomas in the other, and it's like, do I even play either guy? <laughs> because I have no idea if this guy will be able to complete a pass longer than 10 yards. So it's going to be 
it's going to, we'll talk about the season. We'll have our kind of, we'll do our season preview uh, a little bit. Uh, but we wanted to kind of shift gears and get well, sort of an NFL-related story began in the NFL, and that has been the whole national anthem. I guess you want to call it a controversy that Colin Kaepernick started when he. Uh, he sat during one preseason game for the anthem out of uh, protest, the way he thought minorities were being treated, and then kneeled, or knelt, I think is the correct term, knelt uh, at the second uh, preseason game. And we sort of, I think we had one podcast since it happened. We hadn't talk, talk, talked much about it because it didn't have an obvious gang. Well, that angle kind of happened this week when Megan Rapino, the U.S. women's soccer team player who plays for the Seattle Reign of the I think it's a National Women's Soccer League. She took a knee in a game in Chicago on Sunday um, in support of Kaepernick, and she is the first white athlete to do anything like this publicly. But what was interesting about Megan was she referenced the fact of her being gay as one of the factors that sort of led to that. So I wanted to know, I, I, I know you've been out on Fire Island, but you probably had heard what happened. I'm curious to see what your reaction was to what Megan did. Uh well, the whole issue is it feels like the whole thing has kind of been the conversations around it are just totally um, I don't know blurred. Like first of all, you know the first people start talking about you know does Colin Kaepernick have a have a right? And uh, of course all these people have a right to do whatever the heck they want. You know it's a, a legal right to do it, and it's, and the NFL doesn't uh, have a and and I don't think the National Women's Soccer League has a has a laws in their player conduct that says you have to stand for the national anthem, you have to do extra in the national anthem. So, you know, the idea of, of, of they have the right to do this, of course they have the right to do this, and, and I think everybody should support their their right to do it. It's, but, you know, for, for me the question is, is, is it actually impacting? Like, is it actually helping generate conversation about the issues that they they claim they're trying to bring attention to, because all I see is conversation about about kneeling for a national anthem and not what what the the the, the what the reasons that for doing it that is the mistreatment of black people and the mistreatment of gay people and in our culture and so I'm not sure that it's actually having any real positive impact other than you know everybody now knows Colin Kaepernick's name and. And everybody now knows – well, everybody knew Megan Rapinoe's name before anyway. But I just, I'm just struggling to figure out if it's if, – to see where it's actually helping anything. Well, that's a good point. And I think what it's done more than anything else is to get people focused on the national anthem itself and what it means to be patriotic. And, you know, last night in Washington, the uh, Rapinoe's team uh, was playing in Washington, and the owner there – played the national anthem while both teams were in the locker room because he didn't want <laughs> right. Megan, Megan to hijack it. And I thought, well, this guy, I thought, actually disrespected the national anthem, even though he said it was Megan that was, because he did not allow the players who wanted to stand or show whatever support they did to kind of recognize it. I mean, they're all sitting in the locker room, and all of a sudden they hear the star-spangled banner coming over. So I think the, the effect has been more of a discussion of what the national anthem means or its relevance than it is about the issue. And I think the issues got blurred with, with Kaepernick and the issues of race and the issues of, you know, he's an entitled millionaire, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, I, th I did think, though, that what she said about being gay was interesting because, you know, I think we've, we still don't have our full civil rights, and yet 
you know, I've always stood for the national anthem just out of a certain sense of respect, but not because I felt overly patriotic about it at a sporting event. I mean, why don't they play the national anthem before movies or before concerts or before the I opera? The I mean, same, yeah, I had the same. Like, thing why? That. Like, think about it. It's an entertainment. What is it about sports that we think we? It's it's institutionalized. If an owner decided I am not playing the national anthem before my game, he would be probably severely fined by his league. And I think I think the NBA some leagues actually mandated. But can you explain to me why a sporting event is worthy where it isn't at say uh, the right before Star Wars? I. I I ha- I was actually thinking the same thing um before all this happened at my first the first high school game that I did uh, a couple of weeks ago I was just kind of standing there looking around and in my head you know I'm processing where I got to be for the kickoff and 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 the coin toss and everything else and I was like why are we doing this like very few people are looking at the flag um yeah I I I I really I have I have no good answer and it's funny I was looking at the high school rules for football, nothing in there that even mentions the national anthem. So oh, really? I, you know, and I was—I I forgot to look at the NCAA rule book. I'll have to—I'll have to I'll dig into that. Uh, I know that the NFL—it's um, either in their, their their rules or their standing operating procedure it talks about the national anthem, what players should do, um, where they should stand during the national anthem. But I—I I have no idea why why they do that. Why did the t- TV sets? Why TV stations used to play the national anthem at midnight and they don't anymore. Well, in the NHL, you're allowed to play God Bless America or the national anthem, and that's because of the Philadelphia Flyers in the 70s. Kate Smith, I don't know if you remember Kate Smith, she was a big, very large woman, and she was a Flyers fan, and she started singing God Bless America before a Flyers game, and they went on this incredible run and won the Stanley Cup. So she was like their good luck charm. (laughs) So they got permission to play God Bless America instead of the national anthem. So, and then you look at the history, and it was first played at a baseball game in 1918, right either during the end of, right before World War One, I, I think, ended, because uh, it ended in November. And it was such a big hit with the fans, because apparently they had a hard time selling tickets to that World Series, which is hard to believe. And so it became this thing of almost like a promotional thing. Hey, we'll play the, the, the Star Spangled Banner. So it became one of those things that we now take for granted. But when you look back, we don't do it before any other entertainment activities. You know, you don't go to the the theater and all of a sudden expect the national anthem to play. So it has an odd thing that has become so institutionalized that if you didn't do it, it would be an issue in and of itself. Um, So I think the more of the discussion is less about, you know, the whole issue of how minorities are treated and more about the song itself the lyrics, Francis Scott Key was a slave owner. I mean, there's all these things people have learned about the national anthem since Kaepernick, but like you said, it has little to do with the actual subject that he's uh, that he's discussed. And I think ESPN is going to show the national anthem before the Niners-Rams game this coming Monday night, which they were not going to show. And so now they're showing it because it's, in their mind, a news story. Yeah. Well, you know what was it? what the talking about where we don't see I was – I was on um, on Fire Island, you know, if, if, in case you don't know, the, the Pines and Fire Island is a very gay town. It's probably 90% gay men during the summer. And I was at the dance club at about, it's about 9.30, um, kind of after afternoon drinks and before dinner. It's kind of a tradition. People go to this one club and, and dance, and it was, it was absolutely packed Saturday at whatever it was, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And in the middle of dancing, in the middle of all these dance remixes of all these songs, 
the DJ stops the music and plays the national anthem, which I have <laughs> never seen before or dreamt of seeing. And I was shocked at how many people, and I don't know if it was half or two-thirds, but that was a ballpark, were either singing along with it or standing there at attention with their hand over their heart. And I, I, I thought that was pretty cool that 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 the song did mean something to these people on this quasi national holiday uh and and in the middle of dancing and probably drunk off their tits they honored america i and so i on the flip side of it i thought that was kind of neat to see on on saturday and of course i put it on twitter and people accuse me of being a privileged white man and rich and all that and oppressing other people but i thought it was pretty neat well, all that's true about you, but um, let's say <laughs> – um, but the thing about that is that was spontaneous. Being gay so is I my think privilege. The Jim. thing about the sporting events is it seems like it's so routine now that, I mean, you go to a sporting event and people, you know, they're half paying attention. Some are singing. Some are looking around. Some people have their hats on. Some people have gone, you know, make, use that excuse to kind of discreetly duck to the restroom. So – I think in your in your case it happened because it was something that seemed organic. I mean, during mm-hmm. the Olympic um, pole vault, an American pole vaulter who's in the military was about was starting to run down the the runway with his pole when the national anthem started playing for a medalist, and he literally stopped in the middle of this thing and went and stood at attention because I think in the military you're supposed to do that, and so that was a cool mm-hmm. moment because it was so spontaneous. But I just think the idea of playing at every sporting event, high school, college, pro, just in some ways leeches the meaning out. And in a weird sense, you can say that Kaepernick did everybody a favor by making people reexamine it. So if people want to sing more lustily because of him, well, in a sense, he's probably done something that people thought wouldn't be possible, that he got people to actually think about this song that we probably haven't thought about probably in years. And and that was my column last week, that he actually brought meaning back to it. I, you know, I, I personally... Yeah don't like what he did i think it was i don't know it just it was kind of i just i just don't see the 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 real meaning behind it it brought more attention to him than the issue um it just doesn't it doesn't seem just a little distasteful i don't i don't really care i don't he he can do it or not i don't really care i'm not going to buy a jersey or not buy a jersey whether he does it or not um but it did i'll tell you the next uh, a few days later, when they played the national anthem at that football game, I stood there and I looked at the flag and I really thought about it for the first time in a long, long time. So, yeah, absolutely, certainly brought a conversation about the national anthem. I don't know if we really needed that, but uh, he, cer- he certainly did it. Well, interesting. His he's sold more jerseys in the last week than he had his in, in the combined in the whole last year. So, it's, <laughs> well. That's not saying much. It sucked the last year. No, no, but I'm saying, and you know, um, and it's interesting is he's the backup quarterback now for the 49ers, so we're not even sure he's going to get much playing time this year. Um, But let's segue from uh, the off the field stuff to talk about a little football. Not there's not not many gay uh, gay stories we've done. Um, Actually, let's let's briefly talk about the Paralympics because we have the Paralympics going on in London, and we have I'm sorry in Rio, and we have is it nine. Openly LGBT Paralympians this year? Well, there are ten that we know of now. We added the, the uh, Steph Wheeler, who's the coach of USA Women's Basketball wheelchair basketball, pointed out that the the flag bearer for the United States last night was 
um, was LGBT, been married to her wife for a couple of years, so we got to add a tenth one a couple of days ago. And uh, we had, uh, I think it was a flag bearer for Britain, was also LGBT, openly. Yeah, Lee Pearson, and that's, 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 that's kind of neat that both uh, Great Britain and the United States, the athlete, athletes of both places voted an LGBT athlete as the flag bearer, and it's 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 pretty remarkable how how far we've come. Whether whether people voted for them because of that or despite that is kind of irrelevant. You know, I think years ago they would have voted against them because of that, and and so I, 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 it it's another sign of the times that that the literally literally flag bearers for these countries were were LGBT, and to have ten. Uh, LGBT Paralympians, you know, they don't get a lot of attention, so there aren't a lot of Paralympians coming out in, in, in the media, you know, big public coming out splashes. But the fact that we have 10 of them and a couple more coaches, I, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, we had 56 now in the uh, Olympics, so that's, you know, 66 total LGBT athletes who are open about it, at least publicly out which is almost three times what we had uh, from London. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's another example. We'll kind of f- wrap that up, that it's, you know, by Tokyo in 2020, there's simply going to be more because there's going to be more attention on it. So, um, but let's well, do it is, uh, I will say some, it's just, it's, I will say it's just, a, it's just a little disappointing that, you know, we can, we can see the, the readership of different stories that we run. And, and it, it's, it's just it's disappointing to see, We've just gotten very little readership on the stuff we've done about the Paralympics this year, and you know certainly compared to the Olympics, and and it's just you know I, I'm looking forward to watching some of these sports because frankly I rarely watch Paralympic sports, and you know to look at I've watched basketball they are they are hardcore. I mean that is that is not some a non-contact sport. It is more physical than basketball is. So. You know, I think do yourself a favor and take a look at some of these sports because you know don't and you shouldn't just look at it as oh well basketball but in a wheelchair, you know it, it's it's actually a different sport and it looks different and it's exciting and and I think you you just might find yourself glued to the TV set if 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 you give some of these really neat sports a chance. Well, it was interesting. I heard someone mention this. I had never thought of the whole disability thing that you know. Uh, you know, everyone is either gay, straight, black, white, whatever. We're all segmented in that. But the one thing every human being could be at one point is someone who's disabled. And so yeah. you see the backstories of, of so many of these athletes and what they've had to overcome. And just physically playing a sport in a wheelchair or something is like just the arm and shoulder strength to not only propel yourself in a wheelchair normally, but to do it in a sports sense. You really have to be in shape and, and be an athlete. So I do think that's something that people don't appreciate, and they almost sort of, I think in some people, I think a lot of it is that, you know, the Olympics are over and football starting. So once football starts, it's like, you know, everyone's attention just gets dropped. But, yeah, and, and but it also the TV schedule is is not as sort of robust, and so it's not as easy to find as you were able to obviously find the Olympics. But, yeah, you, you, do, you should be reading these stories. I mean, uh, it's interesting is these – Human interest stories are great, but we've discovered that, you know, we know what gets read and doesn't get read, and we're still going to run stuff even if we think it's not going to have a large audience because it always reaches somebody. Um, yeah. So, yeah, find the Paralympic. It goes on for, I think it's another, it's two weeks, pretty much started on the 7th, and I think it goes through the following, like the weekend of the 23rd or something. So it might be 16 yeah, days. Yeah, 10 days, I think. Yeah, 10 days. Um. 
Now let's switch. Speaking about football, every year we do this. We sort of talk a bit about the NFL. And I have to admit, I have less sort of what I call vibe about this year than I can remember. And you think about it, it seems like it is a season of transition. We have Peyton Manning's gone. So that whole era with him is over. Tom Brady's sitting for four games. So we're going to get a glimpse of the Patriots post-Tom Brady, which is going to happen probably within two years. Uh, Tony Romo is on the bench, uh, on the shelf again, probably maybe done. You know, who knows if he's going to come back to be a functional quarterback. Um, So you have three of the kind of dominant quarterbacks of the last decade are gone or, you know, or missing for a while. The first time since 97 at night or Brady nor Manning will start, you know, in a given week. Like both of them won't start a given week. You have Minnesota, which looked like it was a Super Bowl contender, losing its quarterback for the season. And so it just seems to me like I'm looking at trying to do this dinner pool we do where you got to pick the whole season. And I'm like, I don't have a good feel because I have no idea how these teams are to go. Do you feel the same way or do you have a good, solid sense? Jim, I haven't given it a moment of thought. I have absolutely no idea. I mean... You know, obviously, well, you have five hours to get your picks in. <laughs> I, I have four and a half, I think. Uh, well, obviously, you start with the quarterbacks, and yes, some of them are gone, but then you look at some of them who are still around. Carson Palmer has had injury problems in the past, but he's starting week one. Ben Roethlisberger with the Steelers is starting week one. Eli Manning's won a couple of Super Bowls, even though he hasn't looked very good in a couple of seasons. Um, Phillip Rivers and so Matt Ryan. You have some of these guys – uh, Drew Brees, you have a lot of guys out there who've been to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers, um, or you know, at least gone deep into the playoffs. So, sure, there are a bunch of guys who are shelved, but then there are a bunch of guys out there who who are starting the season. And, of course, as we know, uh, on, on their first pass, they could, be, <laughs> they could tear their ACL and be gone. So, I, I mean, who, who knows what's going to happen? It's, it's impossible to it's possible to really predict the NFL. You can get lucky and get right, but you really, you really don't know what the heck's going to happen because of injuries and suspensions and 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 luck and and who knows what else. Yeah, but but in the past, it, there was a. I mean, you had in the AFC Brady and Manning. I mean, combined, they've reached ten Super Bowls, right? The Patriots have been six, yeah. right? Six and four. Yes, ten Super Bowls in the last fifteen years. So there was always a steady constant that, okay, if you picked one of those, or that person's team would be in the mix. And I think New England's definitely in the mix, but he's gone four games. So I think that's the wild card is that, you know, that that era is passing. Drew Brees is getting near the end of his career. Andrew Luck's coming off a shoulder injury. So there's all these sort of question marks that I can't say, ah, if you told me Andrew Luck was 100% healthy, that would tell me something about the Colts. But he sits out practice yesterday with a shoulder injury that's like, is he back? Um, and and so it becomes a thing. Is is the league going to be a thing where a team like the Broncos could somehow defy predictions and make the playoffs with a quarterback who's never thrown a pass? So that's where I kind of find myself kind of saying, I don't know. I mean, I, and so normally I have a, a feel about okay, but the Patriots or the Broncos or the Colts when Manning was there in the soup in in the AFC Championship game. Now it's like, well. I ain't touching – like, for example, I don't think Denver's making the playoff this year. That's I'll give you my bold prediction uh, because I Not don't think so their bold. defense can uh, – you know, a lot, a lot of people, they, oh, their defense can win nine games, but I think their defense will take a step back. But um, 
You know, and any well, other team not, like the Raiders that haven't done anything in 15 years, and a lot of people think they're a, they're a threat. I can certainly tell you a couple of the of, of the big question marks that I'm looking forward to being sure. answered. And one of them, one of them is Robert Griffin III and 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 the Browns offense, and and not just RG3, but Josh Gordon's going to come back in a few in a few weeks. And if you remember when Josh Gordon was healthy, he at times looked like. Randy Moss, the most unstoppable person on the field. So uh, that I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what what the Browns can put together. And and RG three, I mean he, 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 I just I always felt like he wasn't really given a chance in Washington. I mean, his first season, he, he was rookie of the year or, or, or darn close. And then and there was injury and, and personality falling out with, with a couple of coaches. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what what that experiment holds. And he has a coach in Hugh Jackson, who is a great offensive mind and quarterback coach. Um, I'm looking at Houston, which which spent a lot of money to sign Brock Osweiler. So it's like, well, did the Broncos know something that Houston didn't by letting the guy go? Because you thought Osweiler would have been the heir apparent to Manning, and he went, I think, 4-2 and two last year for them and beat the Bengals and beat the Patriots. I mean, you know, which were crucial games for them, and yet they didn't feel strongly enough to sign him to this kind of money. So – and they're going with a guy who hasn't thrown a pass in the NFL. So there's all these sort of kind of wild, or even the Vikings, that I'm curious to see. Is Sam Bradford going to be, you know, this century's version of Jim Plunkett, who was the number one draft pick overall by the Patriots back in the 70s and just got battered and bruised and was, like, awful and kind of literally thrown on the scrap heap, gets picked up by the Raiders and wins two Super Bowls. Well, Sam Bradford has been kind of battered and bruised and injured and has been discarded now is on his third team as his third time the charm with a guy like North Kerner. So um, that those, those are two stories I'm looking at, you know, a team like Houston and a team like Minnesota, which, you know, looked like it was on the rise and still might be. Well, my preseason pick for the Super Bowl last year, to go to the Super Bowl anyway, was, was, was the Cardinals and, and, I know. I just. I feel like they just underachieved by not quite getting there, and and so I'm also mm-hmm. excited to see what what they can put together this season. And so much of it. I mean, last year they had injuries, and Carson Palmer's hand was injured for a while. That that hindered them. Um, David Johnson obviously really shined when injury when they had a couple a couple of running backs go down. He was all that was left. But yeah, I, you know that's that's a team that if they can just stay healthy, I Bruce Arians I think is one of the the best head coaches in, in, in football. So I also you know, looking forward to seeing what Arizona can do. And I listen to all of the teams. I, 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 I look across, this is one of the seasons I look across all of these teams. And if you told me any one of these teams, maybe the, except for the 49ers, any one of these teams was in the playoffs, I, I can't argue. I, I, I'm looking at every single one of these teams. I cannot argue. Even the Jets, I, you know, they have enough there. I can't argue that any one of these teams can't be in the playoffs, except the Niners. That one, that one, just, that one's tough to buy. And I would say the Browns with an asterisk, unless Robert Griffin plays like his rookie season. But I mean, a team like the Raiders. I mean, I've seen some people picking them in the AFC Championship game, and like that was a sad sack franchise that now looks like it has a clue. And people forget uh, their head coach Jack Del Rio. That the Jags had their most success in the in the 2000s under him, where they. They, they they were the team in the 2007. They gave the Patriots a real fight in the playoffs when the Patriots went unbeaten through the AFC. So, um, I mean, he's actually a pretty good coach. He coached the Broncos on an interim basis in 2013 and did a great job. So, 
Um, I mean, it's kind of funny that you, you look at a team that you haven't much thought of and like, oh, they might be pretty good. And uh, for us in L.A., we have the Rams back and the first time in 22 years, and the guy they picked yep. as number one draft choice overall is in street clothes for week one. Well, and, you know, what we keep talking about is the quarterback, right? I mean, the the, the Raiders – the Raiders are suddenly a, a, a darling of the of the prognosticators because they have a quarterback, and 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 you know you, if you really look across, I mean that really is the def, it is the defining factor whether a team goes to the playoffs and goes to the playoffs, you know, repeatedly over the course of several years. Um, there one other team I would I'll just throw in there that that I, I guess I would be surprised is the Lions. I mean they they, they lost their best player. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if they replaced him with much, and that offense struggled even with Calvin Johnson on the field. So, uh, you know, I remember the Patriots getting rid of Randy Moss and getting better on offense because they were more disciplined. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen without Calvin Johnson, but I guess I'd be surprised if, if the Lions made it there too. Yeah. So, well, that's. I mean, we, we're not giving any bold predictions as neither of us have any bold predictions to really give. And. Uh, but I'll get Sid's picks for our little pool we have with our group of friends in a few hours, and I'm finishing mine. But uh, but football's back, and um, we'll have a lot to say about that. There's always some gay angle we have during the NFL because stuff will always happen. Um, but that's about all the time we have for now, and we will be back uh, talking to you next week.